Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show of the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westrich-Robertson. I am the CEO of the organization, but I am also a person living with AI arthritis disease or diseases, depending on who you talk to. I don't know. So the main one being axial spondyloarthritis. And I am here today more of a guest observer. I have two other friends, recurring co-hosts with me today. Let's say hello to Deb and to Estella. Hello, both. Hello, Tiff. Hello. I'm so excited to be here again. All right. Well, why don't you both kind of take over here doing some introductions and then I'll pop right back in and give a little overview of what we're talking about today. Well, perfect. I will start. Hi, everyone. I'm Estela Mata. I'm one of the recurring co-hosts here, and I'm so excited to be part of this amazing podcast. And I am a a co-founder of Looms for Lupus, a nonprofit organization that was created and founded by my sisters and I to support those living with lupus and other autoimmune conditions and overlapping conditions such as fibromyalgia. We support not just the individual, we support those living with the conditions, also the caregivers and loved ones. And that kind of hits home this conversation that we're going to be having today because we do support the support. So I'm excited to be here and excited to be talking about something that is so very important when it comes to living with conditions that affect your daily life. Hi there, everybody. I am Deb Consting. I am in the Madison, Wisconsin area, and I too am one of the reoccurring co-hosts. I've been on many times with Tiffany. This is my first time on with Estella, getting to know her better and better. I was diagnosed at the age of 13 with what they called back then rheumatoid arthritis. They kind of, it was JRA, then it went to RA. So again, the whole journey, it keeps morphing as you go. And again, lots of other things that go along with that, but we'll just stop with RA right now. (laughs) All right. Well, I am very excited about this episode for a couple of reasons. So first of all, I want to give a little overview for it doesn't matter if actually you are a new listener or you've been listening for a while because we have over a hundred episodes. What? It's amazing. So, I know. But so the news that I have is irrelevant to that history because we are elevating the show and I'm excited to tell you all about it. And this show today is going to be the perfect example of how we're doing this. So it goes back to the root of our name, which is AI Arthritis Voices 360, the talk show name. And when we originally created this, it was at the end of 2019, moving into COVID, right? So the 360 (laughs) was supposed to be traveling around the world. (laughs) doing 
doing shows in different ways so that we can bring more people to the table. So not just your traditional podcast. And we did 360 in a sense throughout the last couple of years in way of maybe doing Facebook Live instead or doing an, a, a video instead or a live uh, conference reporting, that kind of thing. But we are really putting the 360 into the 360 now. And so in doing that, the show also has different phases that we discuss. So it's either going to be a phase where we have identified a project and we put it on the table for the first time. So in this case, this happened last year and even I think the year before. There, there's two episodes that we're referring here. So we're going to talk today about support. And I love the support of the support. That was that was really cool. And I was using the term directional support also because we're talking about how the need for support, it's a family affair, it's a friend affair, it's a support from different perspectives, diverse needs. There's a lot of complex issues that come in with support. And we talked about that in episode 43 with myself, Estella, and Juana, who is the, the Mata sisters. Is, and I want to be a sister. I, 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 <laughs> I've been trying to push myself in to be an honorary sister. You are you an say. honorary I sister. I know. Bring it on. I, <laughs> I After know. learning more and more about the sisters, man, I want to be one too. Can we be the Mata adopted sisters? <laughs> I, that's how I've yeah. been trying, <laughs> trying to position it because they're just so, they're, they're just so cool. And like, and like Estella mentioned, they run Looms for Lupus, which is all about support and really supporting all people associated with the person living with the disease, which, which Estella represents because of her sister, Juana, being diagnosed with um, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, several things that um, have transpired. And saying that, that makes this a revisit to the table. So when we air these main episodes, the first Sunday of every month, they're one of two things. They are a, a first on the table or they're a revisit. So that we are going to stick to that. That is the new framework, but then it's not over. Then we're going to 360 the sucker. And what that means <laughs> is there is going to be expanded shows based on this topic that we are going to break out to as many medium forms as we can. They could be on Facebook. They could be on Twitter chat. They can be an email to someone. They could be a downloadable resource you share. Anything that gets the word and the communication out so that all people can truly have a, a seat at the table. So this is a revisit to the table, and we are going to really dive deeper into understanding the support needs of the person living with the disease, but also everybody else in the support circle. That really needs to be thought about too, because if we're gonna talk about communication, and we're gonna talk about solving issues for needs, all parties that are affected, you have to listen, you have to hear what they need, and then we can create solutions together. So I am going to tee this off, let's say, and, and like I said, Deb and Estella are going to be the, the main leaders here in the show, but I'm going to take it back to the original episode we're building from, which is episode 43, Support, It's a Family Affair, that I did with Estella and Juana. And Estella, you told a story and it was a heartfelt story that, that really hit home to me because you talked about Juana getting a diagnosis and the response of the family. Now, me as a person living with this disease and maybe, you know, Deb, you can you know, testify to this too. 
I'm always thinking about my needs. You know, I got diagnosed. Oh, but you told it from a different perspective. And that was not just you, but you mentioned it was overwhelming even, you used the word, for some of your family members. So I just wanted you to sort of tell a little bit about that dynamic and, and set us up for understanding those the dynamics of capability, of processing, of personality traits all weighing in to support. Yes, no, definitely. You know, one thing that I can think of when we're talking about the impact that a uh, condition can have, not just in the individual, but with their loved ones as well, their family, their their children, their spouse, their their siblings. For us, you know, when Juana was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis first, we knew about it. You know, you you kind of think, okay, you know, how can I help her? Couple months later, you know, she's nearly dying. Literally, if she would have gone home that day, she would have died. She wouldn't be here with us. And giving that she was diagnosed now with something even more severe, a couple diagnoses. So one of them is a rare condition and the other one was lupus. So autoimmune and rare uh, besides uh, rheumatoid arthritis, pretty scary. So it didn't just affect her. I kind of took the initiative, you know, I, I've worked in healthcare IT for a long time. I kind of knew she was having, you know, some issues and some difficulties. So I was her, her first support. So I was there next to her. I, you know, wanted to help as much as I could with information and being there next to her. My family, though, we're very close-knit family. So if you become a, a sister, you're going to be worrying with us and you're going to be celebrating with us and you're going to be, you know, learning together. So my mom took it completely different than I did. I was more on, let me take charge. How can I help? Let me learn. Let me support her. My mom took it more, what did I give to my daughter to cost this and can I lose my daughter? So it was a lot of, it was very different the way we took it in. And then I have, you know, there were, there's, there's five sisters. Another sister is more the quiet type. She didn't want to ask anything. So the less you know, the better off you are, right? And then you have the aggressive one that she just, she, she toughs it up and she's like, she's going to be fine. This is going to be all over and then we're going to continue to move on. So you have all these different personalities, all these different relationships also with Juana. Juana is the eldest of the sisters and of the whole, you know, tribe here. So she's usually the one that comes and kind of tells us what we need to do. So for us to step up in different ways was something that we needed to figure out how we were going to be either supporting her, supporting ourselves. Uh, raising the awareness to each other, supporting each other as well. Not everyone is made up the same. My initiative was, again, to help her. So supporting the support or the loved ones, her children, her husband, and my mom and my siblings was really what I took charge of. You know, that is why we started seeing that need, that not only did we have to educate, empower, but also support the support because in order for them to really understand what lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, the other conditions that she had, we needed to understand that the condition, we needed to understand her needs and we needed to understand how much of us and how we 
we're going to be able to support because we're not all able to support. So knowing what capabilities we have, knowing what we can offer or bring to the table was something that we needed to kind of learn on our, you know, together. So it was a learning curve and it still is. Nothing's perfect. Estella, I'm sitting here nodding my head as you're as you're talking and I, I, it resonates because again, I can turn and like put different personalities on different members of my family and how they react and you know, as far as how your mom reacted is exactly how my mom my mom reacted when I was diagnosed at 13. Same thing. In her own way, it was kind of like you know, the guilt. She did, she held guilt on her shoulders of thinking she gave something to me too and how she wanted to take that away from me, but you obviously can't do that. I, I'm just, I'm sitting here nodding my head and nobody can see me nodding, but I'm sitting here nodding away going, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I That totally resonates as far as that goes. Um, yeah, and you're right. Everything is different for everybody and how they react because you have the quiet sister. Um, you have the one sister who's the big cheerleader. Hey, I'm the one who's going to be the cheerleader. You know, she's not going to pass. She's going to, she's going to be strong. She's going to get through this. I, I hear you in every aspect of that. Yes. And I think the one thing that helped us all was the fact that we would come together and have these discussions because communication is a big part of any role in any relationship. So, you know, I've been married for 27 years to the same person, <laughs> um, you know, and we've, we've evolved and we've changed. So communication is key because my needs could be very different than my husband's needs. The same goes with the relationship of my sister's needs and my needs as a caregiver. How can I support her? So we need to have that constant communication. Now, for those that are listening, sometimes you don't have that sister or that family member or that spouse or those children that can support you. Sometimes you have to go outside of your immediate family. Like in my case, it was a lot kind of like, we're just, this is the way we were raised. We were going to help one another. So we kind of just took charge of that. But in other families, you have that disconnect and there are not many that can bring you that support that you need. So communicating first, you know, if someone is really not going to be able to support you, I think that's very important for you to know. There are support groups out there. So you can tap into support groups where you can make new friends that will understand you and they could be your primary supporters and not your spouse or your family member. So it looks different for everyone. But I think the main thing um, that we're looking at is when you have all these invisible illness and sometimes not so visible when you, you know, have specific flares, communication is the key of what do you need or what can I provide or what can you tell me or what cue can you give me and how, how can I respond to that cue? Um, so yeah, Estella. definitely communication <laughs> is key. I think you know where I'm going with this because we've talked about this before. Again, I've been married for 27 years too, so we match. Um, again, the same man. Way back in the beginning of being married, 
I have a story that goes back to um, Tim and I. So Tim always goes on yearly these boys weekends and um, I he goes away, he's fishing, he's golfing, he's drinking, he's doing whatever they're doing. And they're having a ton of fun. But one time he left after I had had knee surgery and I had a little toddler at home. My parents came to the house to help. But while he was gone, I also developed shingles. And I was like at the top. I mean, I was I was overwhelmed. I wasn't doing well. And I remember one time he called me and he's telling me about how much fun he's having. And he's sitting on the pier drinking a beer and with a fishing rod in the in the in the lake. And I'm telling him how bad it is. But I didn't ask him to come home. I didn't. I wanted him to read between my lines because folks who have, at least for me, so I've had this since I was 13, I have a hard time asking for help. So I want him to hear how bad it is to make his own decision and hear how bad it is and read my mind and know I want him to get his butt on home. Well, that never happened because he didn't read it that way. It was like, oh, and to be fair, after after he got home and everybody, all the family members knew how bad it was. And the thing is, I didn't ask him to come home. So that's my fault. Major, major downfall. And he came home to the entire family pissed off at him because he didn't come home. But to be fair, I didn't ask him to come home. So again, you know, I we had a huge discussion and um, he, I said, but didn't you hear how bad it is? He goes, Deb, it's always bad. I didn't know it was the next level of bad. And again, my mouth dropped and I was like, that's a really fair point. I mean, and you know, when I'm like ready, when I'm in bed and I'm having a really, if I'm really, really sick, he waits for me to say, it's time to go to the emergency room. It's time to go. Cause he'll always ask, is it time? And, I, and it's always weighing on me. I, you know, I think back to that time. I mean, communication since then, we've got it down. I mean, I, I, I look back at that and um, I felt bad because he he's not used to everybody being mad at him, you know, and because he's he's a really good guy and um, everybody was mad. And I felt I felt bad for him. But it was also my fault, too. I mean, I had to be clear with what I was asking, but not the unspoken word. You can't depend on that because men and women are very different. You know, I think it's been described men are pointers and women are painters. And it's just funny because he's like, well, it's always bad. So if it's the next level of bad, surely she's going to tell me that. Well, yeah. Yes. No. And um, go ahead, Tiffany. Did you have something to add to that? Yeah, uh, well, actually, I just wanted to point out as we're going through this level five or step five, which is the revisit to the table, uh, we've put a lot of this this information out there. We're sort of of teeing up back to build on the shows that we talked about before. And as we're 
focusing in on a lot of these things, like the person's role and how that evolves over time. I'm writing, I write furious notes all the time. And, and so I'm writing down your keywords here, clarity and communication and just these challenges. I wanted to take a step back for a second as we're creating this, we want to create a tool. So as part of this revisit to the table, the rule is sort of that we have to build on, there's got to be a reason we came back. And in this case, our reason is yes, to dive deeper into this conversation and invite you all to continue diving deeper in the conversation. But when we get to that level that we're ready to come back, it's because we're ready to do more. So while we're in this episode and continuing as a living resource, because we want you to continue putting information into it, we're going to start creating a tool that we all can use, you all can use, and start and starting to identify who's in your support group, what those needs are, what some of the key challenges are, and then together we can start to having even links to other resources. So I want to just do point number one. We sort of laid this out in the beginning. Bullet point number one is identify who your support system is. And I know, Estella, you made the point of sometimes it has to be friends. I think that's such an important part. I'll refer back to the other episode with um, episode 46 with Effie and Rick and Patrice. I know Patrice talked a lot about that, about her her friends and, and being uh, very supportive in that way. So if you all had to identify, like let's use Deb first as the person living with the diseases, who would you identify in your support system? Well, definitely my immediate family being my husband and my son, then my mom, my brother and sister-in-law, my in-laws, and Tim's siblings. I think they are the greater part of my support system, but also friends. So every time I've had Um, surgeries. It is my friends and church family that provide meals. So if they didn't provide meals and I'm bed bound, my two boys would starve to death. So either that or they're ordering out pizza every night. So the homemade meals are wonderful for them. That's huge because again, if if those pieces weren't there, there'd be a huge breakdown in my own system and taking me to doctor appointments and things like that. That's more immediate family. But again, friends build up the other side. Yeah, I like how you said that because when we go back to the role situation, it's not only do the support persons, they have different roles, but they are accommodating almost different needs Yes, for you. Totally different, yes. So then we're talking about sort of their needs, from you, your needs from them. Now I'm going to ask a harder question, really, because now Estella, you are a person who is in in that support role. So if you're identifying what your sort of support circle looks like in your own journey with helping Juana, what does that look like? Yes, no, definitely. You know, and I think just to add a point to what Deb was saying and what you were saying, It depends. Well, when you identify, well, first, once you identify who your supporters are, whether it's family, your children, your, you know, in-laws, your siblings, your friends, your co-workers, um, then you, you kind of want to develop who is your go-to for different things, right? So with Deb, you know, your church, your, your church friends, 
you know, will be cooking the meals and stuff. You know, it, it may look different to someone else. So, and I will say in, with me, I need support to be able to support my, my sister. So when my sister was first diagnosed, our kids, two of our kids who are now 19 were 10 years old. So I had a 10 year old and she had a 10 year old. And then we both have right now, her son is 26, my daughter's 24. So we also had teenagers. So we had, she has two kids, I have two kids. So in order for me to be able to support her, I needed someone to support me and help me with my girls. So my husband took that, he was my support and he would do all the cooking. I, I'm, you know, I'm blessed. That's why he's a keeper. He cooks, he cleans and he helps <laughs> and he supports me. So I don't want to change him ever. And I'm so grateful for him. And I think that is very important to realize that you're not in this alone, right? So once you identify who your key people are, how they bring your support, what your needs are and who you're going to call, right? Um, and I think that helps in, in also kind of looking at what support is needed, who's giving you the support, and are you communicating correctly? That way you don't have this built resentment. You know, one of the things that in my family and my sister and I are very close. We were always very close. We were closer because she got sick and I was like the immediate one that was always with her. And maybe there was resentment from my other sisters that, oh my gosh, they know that it's always us together. I can't do something without her. But also communicating that way, there's no resentment, right? So we both had kids around the same age. She needed support with her kids as well. So we would do things together where her children and my girls would do things together. And she didn't have to play a huge role in participating as much when I would take that initiative. So I think it's, it's again, it looks very different with everyone, but in my case that, you know, that is very, very important. I needed to be supported to be able to support my sister. Very good point. And, and something that I think, so we've got this, this identify who they are, then identify your needs from those and their needs, which we're, we'll kind of go into next as, as you all continue to break out here. But I think another point that we should add to identifying your needs is even after you figure out the roles of that all these different people in your life can play, is there still a role that's missing? Is there still a need that's not being fulfilled? And if so, what is that? Because it could be that as we, as you both really start developing into this conversation with communication and, and the kind of the challenges, because it might, it might not be that there's a person missing as much as there is an element of education or challenges that the other people in your support circle need in order to give you the support that's missing. Is that a, a fair wow. assessment. Yeah, you know, that's I perfect. Have, that is perfect. And I have- a, I have a, my moments. <laughs> I have a great example about that. So we had someone in our support group that would come and we were the support, her support, because she, her family didn't understand her conditions and they didn't know how to support her. So all she was doing is seeking out someone to help her. And when her sister was diagnosed with cancer, it was immediate empathy and immediate support towards the sister. 
And so we realized, well, yeah, I mean, you know, we could all empathize when we hear the C word cancer, right? It's like, oh my goodness, what can I do to help you? But when you see someone with an invisible illness, like she had been dealing with multiple, and I'm not just talking about lupus, you know, autoimmune, chronic conditions, arthritis, and, and so many others, but also mental health. And she was visibly okay. Her hair wasn't falling like her sister's when she was getting chemo, even though she was also getting some chemo treatments. So guess all, the only thing that they needed was for her to let them know to come and learn about her condition because she had a lot of resentment. They didn't know how to help her and they didn't know that they weren't helping her. So it wasn't until they came to the support group they learned about it. Her sister even came to the support group. And thankfully now she doesn't come to the support group because guess what? She has filled that gap of her need where she needed yeah, that, that support. Yes. So it's, it's very interesting how you did say that, Tiffany, is sometimes you don't know. And I think that's why it's so great to write it down. Write down, make your list of your supporters, make your list of what your needs are. Make your list of what's your priority. What is going to make your day better when you're feeling a certain way? And how to communicate, like with you, Deb, you know, when is it time for you to say, it's time for me to go to the ER? Because a level right. 10 of pain to you may be very different to a level of 10 to someone else. But if you say, I cannot physically get out of bed and get up, and someone said with level 10, they could get up and to them that's successful. So it, it looks very different to, to someone else. So I think writing things down, you know, also with a lot of memory fog, you might not remember, you know what, like I have, this is my go-to for this, or this person is not here. Who, who's my second go-to person? Even, I mean, kind of classify, this is my first, this is my second call. Kind of like when you have the emergency, you know, contact list where, you call 911 if it's like a super emergency. Uh, you call, you know, someone else if it's poison control, like you drank something. So do that with your needs. Who do you call so they can fulfill that need or that void that you are having? So to build on that and to sort of tie into where you both are, are going in this discussion next is that people evolve. And so your list of people are going to evolve. You, you have a coworker now, you new friend, whatever that is. So there's always this recycling of learning and understanding what they need. But I also think kind of to, to Deb's point in her story is it takes time to identify how people need to learn to support you, right? So it, we can say, oh, I need this, but it's going to take some time depending on the nature of the person's personality their you know their their instincts their their own issues with, with dealing these that that all really have to be taken into consideration it's just we got to see everybody's perspective and i know that you both have have talked to me about leading into these challenges so there are, you know, we've identified the people, starting to identify some of the some of the needs on on both sides. But you you talked about challenges with the invisible disease, Estella, and um, that the empathy. And I thought maybe you all could go a little bit more into how we need to consider 
those communication challenges? What what are the some of the things of the misunderstandings or judgment or resentment or things like that that we also have to think about when we when we're talking about taking it to the next level in communication? I've got one that just um, just immediately comes to mind. So people who have at least for me it's hard to ask for help. I know it's taken 27 years of marriage for my husband to read my cues to, he knows not to always be saying, you know, here, let me do that for you. Or do you need help? Or it just, he's got to read my cues. Cause if he immediately asks, I'm like, I want to try it myself. Give me a minute. And I'll ask if I, and again, that's communication. He'll ask and I'll say, let me try. Or I'll be like, yeah, all yours, (laughs) go for it. Because, you know, it's a delicate dance that you have to develop of learning, learning the cues and um, what would be a trigger for me. Like my friends also know, um, hey, can I offer meals? Love it. I mean, at the beginning, it was hard to say yes. But now, I mean, bring it on. I mean, emergency meals in my freezer are a gold standard. I mean, you do not touch those meals unless it's a bad day or something like that. Um, But I, I think about just that delicate dance of trying to not ask too soon, but not also ask too late. You know, there, there's that, that little fine medium that you have to kind of develop. You know, I I think one of the things that you kind of learn, right, you learn by making these mistakes and by learning from them. So it's a learning curve, right? You're not going to get it right the first time. You know, I know one thing that Juana doesn't always like, and that I, I myself don't always like, I don't like to be asked, how am I doing? Yeah. Even though I like to ask, how are you doing? Like, you know, how's your day? Like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Um, but when it co- when you're asking due to like the illness or the condition is right. where I get defensive. Like I didn't like I don't like it. So I think one of the things is understanding that there is a learning curve, right? Yeah. Having that patience, uh, be patient to yourself and to the other person. And then once you communicate, also explain, and I could tell you one, two, three, Deb, and you could, you know, hear one, two, three, but you can completely take it in a very different way than how I meant for you to take it. So I think it's so important to say it back and say, okay, this is what I'm hearing that you need from me. Is this what I can do? Or is this what I heard, did I hear this right? And I think that will cause a lot of less confusion. Uh, It's more like an affirmation of, you know what, this is what I heard you say. And this is what, what it is. And it's just confirming like, you're listening to the individual because you could, you know, when we sit at this table, you could have people come and join you at the table and give their perspectives. And you could just listen but if you don't hear what they're saying, and if you right. don't act on it, then it's all void. It's null and void. Why waste your time? So I think when you genuinely tell the person, you know, if I tell you I don't need help the first time, it's okay. Like, don't ask me again. Or 
if I go to the room and I and I, and, I'm, and I close the door, I'm okay. I just want to be left alone. So, you know, those are things that I think, again, you have to reassess every time. Let them know what you're feeling. Let them know what you want. Let them hear hear what they're hearing from you and make sure that right. they understand. So there's no, again, resentment, build resentment or miscommunication, or misinterpretation of your needs. Yeah. And I also, um, to build on that piece itself, the how are you doing? Because again, that's kind of like one of those little triggers, you know, and I think we need to be careful ourselves as far as how we respond back, not to snap or, you know, it's, it's having that patience. Like you said before, be patient, take that deep breath before you respond, because they may not know that. And I'm sure I've had words or snapped at Tim again, having a bad day, but I mean, I know I go back and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I, I just, it was a bad moment and I know I snapped and I, I apologize because you don't need that either. You didn't know it was, you were walking into the beehive, <laughs> so to speak. But again, that's patience and, you know, your ongoing love, whether it's your friend or a family member. My son, he, I mean, he doesn't live at home anymore, but when he comes back, he can always see. He's like, what's going on? He'll ask me that versus how are you feeling? I'll get, what's going on? Because it, and it'll be in that tone of, okay, <laughs> something's up. And he's like, you haven't caught me up on this one yet. So I'm waiting right here. Yeah, I love it. I love that you gave that example. But I think at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you are validated, that your feelings are yes. valid. Um, yes. You know, that they're not minimized, you know, and, and that you feel supported. And if you yes. are not feeling supported, by that person, whether it's a friend, your spouse, your your children, your, you know, whoever it is, then that means they may not be the right support person for that specific need. And it's okay. Exactly. Going, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, because again, th we need to maybe shuffle them into a different role. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you know, mm -hmm. and I will tell you, my mom has osteoarthritis. And her needs completely different than my sister's needs. So you kind of also have to assess, ask, and make sure that there is a mutual understanding of the type of support you can give and or provide and or that is needed. So I think that is also very key when it comes to the support role and uh, the person giving and or receiving. You know, one thing um, that I, I do think back to is it can be anybody, friends, family, even my son. One thing that I always think is, you know, missing is them actually really understanding and knowing and being educated about rheumatoid arthritis because, you know, they may be thinking about something else entirely that they're probably lumping me into. And I wish I had like a, if I had like a card with a link on it or a QR code that they could, you know, use their own phone and it would pull something up that would just be a beautiful thing, you know, for them to actually download and have, you know. Let's do that. I know that's actually, it's just kind of coming <laughs> and I, it, that's what I'm thinking. So that's, you know, an idea that I think, 
all of us could carry in our wallets and just be like, hey, if you want to know a little bit more about what impacts me most, here. Just, yeah. you know, and just keep it in your phone for later, download it, and here you go. Well, any restaurant you go to yes. now, I'm dating it because we're in early 2022, still COVID is, a, yes. is still alive and kicking. We, they don't have menus. Everything, right. you have to, to do that now. So it's like, hey, got your phone out, look at the menu, look at this too. Hey. Yes, <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Because, you know, even going back to before we got married, my um, husband wanted to know more. So he came to a, an appointment with me to, um, with my rheumatologist. And the bad thing is, is that he didn't come prepared with a lot of questions. And um, <laughs> my doctor kind of said, you know, dude, I'm here and, you know, I'm not going to just, just spew out her history. You need to ask me questions. So that was a bad part. But the good part was that he wanted to become more educated. So he gave him a list of books and things like that and references. Yeah. You know, and it's it's so interesting because don't ever assume, right? And we all know what the assumption means, right? What, what does assume mean, right? So don't yep. assume that one, that your who you've assigned or designated as your support or who you think your support uh, supporter, supporter is, knows what the condition is, what it entails, what it's about. Because guess what? With so many conditions, and I think we're learning it now more than ever, we are all unique individuals and the disease acts very different in every single person. That's our a stress phrase. Levels, yes, I love our that. stress. Yeah, our stress levels can contribute to flares. What does a flare mean when you have rheumatoid arthritis? What does a flare mean when you have more than one condition? What what is flaring in your body at that time? So I think don't make an assumption that you know or understand. One, you, you may know about the condition. But don't assume that you know how it impacts that individual that you're supporting. So I think that is very, very important. So yes, I wish we had a QR code scanned on us. So kind of going to what <laughs> you were point. suggesting is how does rheumatoid arthritis feel to you today? What yes. are your needs today versus what are the most common needs. And I think we can start with what are the most common needs or what are the most common symptoms? What are the most common side effects of the treatments or medications? Because it might not be just your condition. It might be a treatment that you're taking that's causing you to, you know, maybe be moodier that day besides the pain, you know, uh, increasing your irritability that day. It could also be a treatment that you're taking and how can they help you? And I think that's very, very important to know, learn about the disease or diseases or conditions that your loved one has or that who you're caring for or supporting, learn about their treatments that they are on or that they are taking, and also learn about what their needs are and what they want from you that day. So it's almost like an ongoing updated QR code when you get that alert saying, please provide this update. It's like, let them know that day. Like, you know what? Today I'm feeling this way uh, or today I need this. You know, and I, and I think that's that's an important thing. I love the whole QR code, but I just wish that it could just be updated and uploaded daily. 
<laughs> personalized. <laughs> personalized. And we're, we're shifting to personalized care. So yes, 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 we are. So I am, so I, so to go back to our tool that we're sort of creating from this revisit to the table, we have talked about identifying your support system, identifying who all of those people are. We have talked about identifying your needs, identifying their needs and what that looks like. And then we talked about revisiting every time there's a new person in your support circle, when do you introduce them to the situation? And then also going back to be figure out where are they going to fall in the spectrum? You know, how are they going to react? And, and never to assume that people understand or, or the needs. And it's this constant sort of revisiting because it's not just revisiting new members of your circle, but it's also revisiting your needs, revisiting their needs as the situation develops. And to tie in what, what Juana and Deb were just saying, the how. So that's sort of that, that fourth step in how do we deal with the education? Now we've sort of figured out who they are, what their needs are, how their role is, or how they react as individuals. But that level of education, it's just going to be very different. And as Juana, I mean, as Estella said earlier, it may be as simple as asking, asking what do you need? What, what type of education do you need? What do you want to learn? And not taking it on ourselves to assume that we know what a person needs um, to give us to give us that. So those are our sort of four bullets and we will have this template available for uh, the show for you to download. We're going to talk about it a lot on social media too, which I'm going to get to here in a minute, but I'm going to turn it back over to you lovely ladies to sort of summarize for everybody your tips for thinking about support and supporting for the support. I like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, mine is probably, you know, communication, patience, don't overestimate, underestimate anybody. And there's got to be grace in there too. Cause again, we all fumble and, you know, make mistakes and trying to, you know, not aggravate the situation. Let's try to even it out. Exactly. And I think mutual respect for each other, for both the supporter and the individual. Uh, so don't minimize each other's needs. So make sure that you are in full understanding and that you guys are communicating with one another and validating each other's feelings as well. Validating your emotions, um, your needs, and zero judgment. Please, let's not judge yes. each other. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Right? And most importantly, acknowledge when you are in need of that help, whether you are the individual asking someone or, you know, or wanting something or a need met, or also you, the supporter, needing support yourself to be able to continue the support. So, you know, those are our key takeaways, our, our tips as a caregiver, loved one to Many, many people, you know, we support each other in my family. Unfortunately, Juana has so many conditions that we tend to want to help her, I think, too much. So I think the one thing is, you know, always, always ask, ask. So as we're winding down this episode, I mentioned in the beginning that we are implementing the talk show on 
full force, full speed ahead now. The whole AI Arthritis Voices 360, we're taking that 360 and we are spinning it off. And the idea of that is really to make sure, because the mission of this talk show is to bring all voices, all opinions, all perspectives to the table, so together we can solve problems. And in doing this, we can start this, this form, we can start talking about it, we can start adding information to it. We need you to add information to it. Let's create a living document, a living resource that evolves just as we all evolve. And, and then you can also build on it on your own and individualize it for your own personal needs. But that is not only the end of this conversation because the support continues when you as the patient also have to start supporting other people. Exactly. <laughs> so now you've got a dual role. What? Yep. So Deb, I know you were going to give a slight example and then we're going to tell yeah. you how we're going to, we're going to spin this part of it off. As exactly. Well. So um, again, me taking my hat off as a patient and putting my hat back on as the supporter caregiver for my son, who is now a 23 year old son, but that doesn't mean their needs ever end. And again, the other way I could 360 this is um, Tim and I coming back and just chatting quickly on a little episode, just explaining, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly of 27 years of marriage. And what does that mean? And, you know, hearing from him, what does he, what does he hear when I'm, you know, saying things back to him? Yes, definitely. Could be. You know, I think you bringing Tim back and I think, you know, this we're well due for a 360 to bring my sister, my other half, Juana, back in. And my 360. sister, too. Our <laughs> sister, too. Our sister, yep. exactly. Our, our, our sister. Yep. Yeah, bring back our sister, Juana, <laughs> so we can discuss, you know, what happens when those roles switch and mm-hmm. how, and she can share with us how that switched for her with her children and how that also switches when she supports me and or my my mom. Um, so it's very, very uh, wonderful to be able to do these spinoffs, these 360s, because we can continue the discussion and bring everyone back to the table and say, hey, what what else can we bring out? Or what else can we do to help each other and learning and understanding when the individual becomes the caregiver or the supporter? Absolutely. So, uh, so in, in tying that all together, as you pretty much guessed, we're going to bring Juana back and she's going to then lead our first 360 spinoff episode. I think maybe Deb and Estella might be joining her for that. I don't know if that's decided or not, but (laughs) who cares? It's (laughs) all right. We, we know we're still talking about it, but that is not going to be the only 360. So the beauty of the 360 is it can be co-host. We have over a dozen co-hosts from around the world that are on our team here in 2022. And yes, all of them could do a topic on this. It could be any method. When you 360 spin something out, it means it can go anywhere. So it could be a Twitter chat. It could be a simple social media post. It could be an e-newsletter. It could be anything that helps TikTok. communicate. TikTok, anything. Anything that you can think of, and it doesn't have to be the co-host. It can be you. It can be any person listening. If you want to then tag us at IFAI Arthritis on any of our social media and let us know that you're doing a 360, the hashtag is 360 it, 
So it's just hashtag 360 it. Any of those posts that you do about support about the show or any of the shows that we we 360 it in the future, that's all you have to do to get us to be able to see that you are also, and then we can share it. Then we just continue the cycle and we really truly will bring all voices to the table. And that is a wrap for, this is episode, it's full episode 71, but like we said, we're actually over a hundred episodes. We just have many episodes in there. So I want to thank both Deb and Estella for, uh, for participating today and for leading this conversation. Thank you both. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. And Estella, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Because you mentioned Blooms for Lupus. Yes. So we are on every social media platform, uh, Instagram under at Looms for Lupus. So L-O-O-M-S number four Lupus, uh, the same and Twitter. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook. And um, I am under Estela Mata, just to, together my name, um, at all social media platforms as well. But the one thing that I want you to understand, don't let the name Looms for Lupus discourage you. Um, we support all autoimmune conditions, overlapping uh, mental health and everything uh, that comes name with change. it. Because Name change yeah, coming. Name yeah. change coming up soon. <laughs> Well, now, now it's going to be official because we just said it here, but I just want you to know that if you need support, we are here for you. And this is what I love about the collaboration with AI arthritis is because unfortunately, all these conditions have one thing in common is we need to support one another. We need to stop being in silos. And I think we are going to do this by having these conversations and bringing everyone to the table and then 360ing it and expanding um, our voices out because we all need to support one another. So thank you again, Tiffany and Deb for having this amazing discussion. You know, I love being part of the family. You guys are now official Amata family members <laughs> and I'm looking forward to <laughs> a lot more 360s and new uh, um, new topics that we can visit together. Absolutely. I love it. Me as well. So you can find this episode and all of our episodes anywhere that you do podcasts. And if you don't do podcasts, that's okay. Cause you can find them also at our website at aiarthritis.org backslash talk show. And we are going to be launching a brand new talk show website. I forgot. That's really exciting. So we're going to hopefully have that, that ready in a couple months. But you can find all of our episodes there. And while you're there, uh, we also encourage you to please consider a donation to the show because the funds that you give allow us to continue doing what we do. So if you love the show and you want us to be able to continue bringing these types of resources to you, please consider a donation. And you can find uh, AI Arthritis at all of our social media platforms at IF AI Arthritis and that is just because it signifies the International Foundation, but our acronym is AI Arthritis. So I just want to clarify that. IFA Arthritis is not our name. And uh, that would be it, I think. Yeah, I think we're my, good. My brain is going wah, wah. Yeah. So I think it's going to have to be it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, signing off. And again, we're excited to bring this new version of the show to you so that all of us can come together and change the stories of tomorrow because only together can we truly make change. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Stella. Thank you. 
Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 